listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, back to the panel on this Tuesday morning and uh, May 30th. Nice to uh, have you along with us. And uh, so um, now the Museum of Work and Culture has been around a long time here in Woonsocket. And uh, I remember when uh, we did our first interview, uh, when we were talking about the opening of the place. <laughs> so you can imagine how long we've been at it. And there are so many things that happen um, over the years. And, and one of the things that um, they do over at the Museum of Work and Culture is have um, exhibits. And uh, they come and they go. And uh, we're going to pick up on one of those exhibits uh, today with our, uh, our interview and uh, this uh, interview comes about because uh, I uh, called uh, Deborah Krieger, who is our guest, to um, come in and chat with us. Now, doing radio is not what she does every day. Uh, so uh, <laughs> she, she wanted you to know that. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure uh, having you here and uh, <laughs> chatting a little bit about, uh, about something I think that um, our listeners uh, will be um, interested in hearing about. I was talking to somebody uh, uh, a while back, and they said, uh, uh, so what do you have in Woonsocket? And I said, well, we have a whole bunch of things. Um, you know, some people come to town to the stadium theater, yeah, and uh, some come over to Chan's and uh, enjoy some of their uh, their great music. Some go over to uh, the, uh, the military museum. Yeah, we do have a military museum here in Woonsocket. Um, at the uh, American French Genealogical Society's uh, headquarters. And uh, some people go there. And then, of course, uh, there's the Museum of Work and Culture. And a lot of people come uh, from oh, all over the world um, over the years and from all over the country. And they, uh, they have interesting uh, exhibits. And the one that uh, we're going to focus on right now is um, Jewish History of Woonsocket. And uh, so, um, Deborah, her official title, if you go on the website of the Museum of Work and Culture, it identifies you, uh, Deborah uh, Krieger, as exhibit and program coordinator for the Museum of Work and Culture. That's still your title? Absolutely, yep. <laughs> okay. All right. We want to make sure we've got the right pronunciation of the name and the right title. So, um, the exhibit opened up on uh, May 16th. It's going through uh, through the summer. Let, let, take me back uh, a few months, um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a year. Uh, how did it, uh, where, did, where did the idea come from? Uh, was it from the outside community or... Or from an inside internal meeting of uh, of you you folks. Uh, thanks for asking. So, to the best of my memory, about uh, a little over a year ago, maybe it would have been uh, winter of 2021. I I think I found out that there was this incredible uh, congregation B'nai Israel synagogue uh, on Prospect Street. And, you know, before then, I was, of course, very uh, familiar and embedded in the story of French Canadians um, and in Woonsocket because that's the story that we tell. But part of what I do uh, when I curate these temporary exhibits, uh, exhibitions, is to help bring other stories to the fore because Woonsocket has always been a really wonderful, diverse hub of immigrants uh, throughout its history. Um, who all made wonderful contributions. So when I heard that there was a Jewish synagogue, um, and I grew up Jewish in West L.A., I knew I immediately had to go see it. So I went, uh, took a little walk 
uh, up Main Street and saw the synagogue. And even from the outside, you can't see uh, just how stunning the stained glass windows are in the same way from the inside. But from the outside, I could tell this was such a special building. And from there, you know, I talked to the director, Ann Conway, and we decided that we should do an exhibition that puts this uh, incredible building into context. Um, because, as it turns out, there is an incredible Jewish history of Woonsocket um, over the 20th century that formed around this congregation. Um, many of the people that we uh, that are associated with Woonsocket's philanthropy were Jewish. Arthur Darman, the Stadium Theater, the Medoff Brothers, uh, many of the businesses up and down Main Street were run by Jewish proprietors who all, of course, spoke French. Um, some of the mills were owned by uh, Jewish mill owners, and it was clear that in the 20th century, this community was, it was small, but it was always a really important part of Woonsocket. And it was also a really supportive community internally. There was always stuff to do at the synagogue. There were social events. Um, there were lectures. Uh, there was, of course, a very strong religious component as well. Um, and the original synagogue for Congregation B'nai Israel is actually at 200 Green Street, which is right by the museum. And the sukkah, or harvest festival, uh, sort of holiday hut, which was uh, um, open year-round, um, when it was a synagogue, the building is now a church, but the sukkah is still there. So this legacy still remains. I go by, uh, I remember <laughs> the Green Street location being the uh, synagogue um, when I was a kid. Uh, and I live uh, right up the street from the, uh, the current synagogue. What do you know about the, um, before we get into the exhibit, what do you know about the Jewish population in 2023? Um, I know it's um, not the Jewish population of, uh, shall we say, 1963, as an example. Yes, uh, that is the case. Um, so I did a lot of research uh, and I interviewed a lot of people who were current and former members of Congregation B'nai Israel. And a lot of the stories that they told me about why the population has gotten smaller really reflects the story of Woonsocket as a whole deindustrialization, um, people moving because the jobs weren't there, people deciding to pursue higher education in the region um, rather than take over you know, their father's store. Um, a lot of people ended up moving to Providence, uh, so that still has a really large Jewish population. Um, I've heard different estimates, I would say under 100, mm -hmm. um, which would also include sort of North Smithfield. Um, but it's also hard because it's also hard to get a full accounting because the services that Congregation B'nai Israel offers are virtual uh, ever since the pandemic. Have you been in the building? I have. Mm -hmm. um, it was built. I can remember, uh, you know, uh, in the '60s, I think, mm -hmm. when it was built, um, and I was in there back at that time period. A beautiful uh, architecture and uh, within and and outside of. Uh, the building. Uh, how's it look in 2023? Going inside, um, you can see that this was a building that was incredibly important to people, and I believe it's uh, not up to code, so that's why it's not uh, safe to have uh, collective services in. But even just walking around, the architecture is incredible, and the windows. There are 30 stained glass windows by Avidor Arika, uh, the uh, I think he was French Romanian Israeli artist who was also a Holocaust survivor, and these are abstract. Uh, multicolored stained glass windows that are uh, in the sanctuary where the services are conducted as well as in the social hall and they are just incredible. 
I've got to ask you about this project. Um, so you see this building, and really the building uh, is only part of the story. It was the people who um, mm-hmm. who came into the building, uh, and they were the ones that uh, that we're focusing on. Uh, how would, how difficult was it to uh, get people to talk? How difficult was it to find people to uh, to get the background information you needed to put this exhibit together? It was not actually that hard at all. I was very fortunate that the first few people I talked to were happy to connect me with other members. Um, people who uh, are still members, even though it's virtual or remote services, are still very involved. And they were happy to say, oh, this person you know, used to be a member in the 70s. You should talk to them. And then they would all sort of connect me with people that they shared these memories with, even if these memories were you know, in the past. So it was actually, people were really happy to talk. People were really happy to share what it was like to have this really thriving Jewish community in Woonsocket. Do you know more about the uh, Jewish community in Woonsocket than the uh, Jewish community in West L.A.? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Jewish community in West L.A. is pretty big. Uh All right. But but, uh, you didn't do any research on that because your job's right here in Rhode Island. How'd you end up uh, here uh, at the Museum of Work and Culture, Rhode Island Historical Society, mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from uh, the West Coast. Well, I went to college back east, um, mm-hmm. outside Philly, and you know I decided to stay on that coast because I wanted to experience snow. Um, you know, more than more than two seasons, uh, things like autumn, and the East Coast really agreed with me. And I worked at another museum in Delaware for a couple of years, and then I realized that I wanted to go back to school um, to pursue my master's. So I went to Brown, uh, and I did their public humanities master's program, graduated in 2021, um, so about you know a year and a half of computer school. Uh, and just before the pandemic, actually, I had gone to the Museum of Work and Culture because when I was a prospective student at Brown, I learned about this museum. And I thought it was amazing that there was a museum that told these stories of labor from the worker's perspective, which is such an important perspective. So I uh, made my friend take me uh, in January of 2020 so I could see this really cool museum. And then once I saw that there was a job posting, um, as I was applying for jobs, I knew that I wanted to work. Deborah, is this your first um, major uh, exhibit that uh, that you've helped organize, or did you have some in front of it before we get into mm-hmm. this uh, particular one? So this is the fourth exhibition that uh, I've done as exhibit and program coordinator, um, but this is the first that is not based on a Smithsonian poster exhibition. Mm-hmm. So the, f- uh, the other three were expansions of national stories uh, from the Smithsonian because Rhode Island Historical Society is a member. Uh, we are a Smithsonian affiliate, so we get their poster materials and their resources for free. And so this was the first one that uh, we did at the museum while I, you know, that I led at the museum that was entirely original. That was not based on a Smithsonian story. There is an exhibition going on. It's underway now through uh, August 26th, I believe, at the Museum of Work and Culture. And it focuses on uh, the Jewish history of Woonsocket. And um, as one news release uh, indicates, celebrates local narratives of worship, entrepreneurship, and social life. So, who did you talk to? Uh, do you? And I, I know you don't have uh, like we're not going to go through the whole list, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm sure a few of the um, interviews mm-hmm. are uh, standing out in your mind. Yes, I talked to uh, many members of the Brenner family. 
Um, the current president of Congregation B'nai Israel Synagogue is a member of the Brenner family, and that was a Jewish family that had been in Woonsocket um, for many, many years. I believe that uh, they owned a junk dealership mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Um, I talked to, so that was, those are the ones that stand out the most in my mind. Um, but I also talked to, uh, Arthur Robbins. I talked to Sam Brickle. I talked to Larry Sadwin. Um, talked to people, not just in Rhode Island. Some people have sort of dispersed. I talked to, um, I talked to, uh, Phyllis Harnick. I talked to Judy Schoenfeld, um, Judy Peliquin, Barbara Levinson, just uh, people who had also been really involved in the synagogue and with the uh, production of the community cookbook, should have brought a copy to this interview. <laughs> um, so you know, this is a small this is a small community, and it was always a small community, but its impact has uh, been uh, outsized. Um, even outside of Woonsocket. Uh, in 1947, the sisterhood or the women's group of the synagogue got together to produce the community cookbook that is actually a pretty sought-after cookbook. Uh, the food writer Joan Nathan has said that it's one of her favorite cookbooks, and it's a collection of recipes um, that were many were originally in Yiddish that all these women collected from their families, from the women in their families, and they packaged them together. It's over 200 recipes. Um, and some of them uh, are really incredible, and some of them are too hard for me to cook. But this is a cookbook that uh, its its impact is so outsized, and we have actually uh, been able to reprint it. So we're actually selling that in the gift shop so that people can experience these wonderful mid-century Jewish recipes again. Let me circle back to uh, the cookbook uh, because it caught mm-hmm. my attention. Uh, did I understand in your first comments that this cookbook originated here in, mm-hmm. in Woonsocket? Yes. And the contributors were local Jewish women mm-hmm. uh, who um, who made the contribution. Was mm-hmm. it a hit back then? Or yes. is it only going to be a hit here in 2023? It's de- it was definitely a hit back then. This is, I believe, the fourth, at least the fourth edition. Uh, they published three editions in rapid succession. There were two in 1947, and then there was another one in 1950. Mm-hmm. So this is at least the fourth printing. All right. And the fourth printing... Is available in the gift shop. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's go to the uh, exhibit uh, itself. Uh, you uh, walk into uh, the Museum of Work and Culture. There's the um, reception desk. Which way do I turn? <laughs> where where, where <laughs> you, do I go? What floor is it on? It's on the second floor. You can either go there directly from the elevator um, or you take a left turn and go up the side staircase. Are there any buttons to press, or uh, is it uh, a lot of photographs? Well, tell me what uh, what what uh, what to expect. Uh, of course, you got to go see it in person, mm-hmm. but uh, give us uh, a snapshot. So, uh, just just to back up, so uh, vocabulary lesson time. The story the uh, the stories that I got from uh, many of the for- current and former members of Congregation B'nai Israel and of this community said that they always felt welcome. Um, everybody knew everybody. It was really tight-knit and close, and it was like a welcoming family. So this exi- exhibition is called Mishpacha, which is the Hebrew word for family. Um, but it's not just, you know, uh, immediate family. It's also extended family and kin and uh, close friends, uh, your community. So that was really what I wanted to convey. Um, so it's mishpacha, uh, you know, vocabulary lesson and pronunciation lesson. Um, but as you walk up, uh, there half of the show is dedicated to telling this story, uh, the Jewish history of Woonsocket. So you start with a brief overview of uh, Jewish immigration to Rhode Island as a whole, which began in Newport. Um, and then starting with Solomon Tritle, 
in the 1860s, uh, who was the first recorded Jewish settler in Woonsocket, we sort of see this community blossom. Um, we see peddlers uh, get storefronts. Uh, we see um, some of these immigrants. Uh, they first settled on Roland Street. Back then it was called Polo Street. Um, they started synagogues. Uh, they founded the cemetery right away, B'nai Israel Cemetery on Menden Road. That's pretty close to the studio. Um, that was founded in 1893, same year as the synagogue. Um, they moved to a more permanent building yeah, on Green Street in 1904, ha uh, founded a community center on 28 Hamlet Avenue around 1949, then with great fanfare built the current Prospect Street synagogue. So this really traces that history. It also traces the some of the individuals uh, that made this community so prominent, including Arthur Darman and the Medoff brothers, um, traces some of the social groups uh, like the Sisterhood that created the cookbook. Uh, there's a map with some of the businesses um, over time so that people get a sense of how active and interwoven with Woonsocket as a whole this community was um, through commerce, but also uh, through um, worship. Uh, there were, you know, in 1952, there were apparently two kosher markets run by uh, fellows from Providence, but that's pretty big impact, um, especially because there were maybe at the peak about 1,200 uh, members of this community at a time when the city had about 47,000 people. So small, but incredibly important. I was uh, listening to our Rhode Island Public Radio over the weekend and... Uh so you're coming here on a, on a Tuesday, but uh, they were talking about museums. They were talking about antiquities uh, and exchange programs of uh, museums. Uh, uh, I'm going to bring this back to <laughs> to what we're discussing. But the point is that um, uh, it was about museums, and one of the things that related to uh, this interview is is the um, the interviewer asked the uh, person from the Smithsonian. Uh, about creating exhibits and the challenge of having somebody walk up to an exhibit and they know nothing about the topic and then having the other person walk up to the same exhibit and uh, they have a scholarly uh, knowledge of the topic. And so in putting this Jewish uh, exhibit together, do you think about the person who knows nothing about the Jewish community <clears throat> and on the other hand, somebody who who maybe has family and knows all about it? Uh, uh, can they um, can they get something out of the exhibit? Uh, the, the especially the person who knows nothing. Um. Absolutely. So half of the exhibit is about this Jewish history of Woonsocket, but the other half is to figure it, one is um, Jewish culture, history, and traditions uh, for people who do not maybe have any Jewish friends or know Jew or know about Jewish traditions. Uh, there are a couple panels with frequently asked questions that I worked on with my aunt, who's a rabbi, um, figuring out what people wish that they knew about the Jewish community, but never had a chance to ask anyone in their own lives. Um, there's a panel on the holidays, uh, the major holidays. Uh, so, uh, Hanukkah, Passover, but um, but also Purim, Rosh Hashanah, Simchat Torah, uh, some of the many days that uh, Jews find holy. Um, there is a panel on the diaspora um, of different uh, ethnic groups of uh, Jewish uh, immigrants and uh, Jews from around the world, um, because Jews are not just from uh, Russia and Poland. There are also uh, strong Jewish communities that originally came from Spain and Portugal. Um, 
there are also there's also a panel about the denominations explaining what orthodox means versus conservative reform and reconstructionist because uh there are many ways to practice judaism and there are many ways um <clears throat> and oof should have brought water <laughs> we'll get you some more <laughs> <laughs> um there are Wow, there are many ways to be. Why don't Jewish. you take a break here? We have oh. a com- I have to play some commercials anyway, and um, and then we'll get back to it because I, I want to pick up on what you were talking about. Plus, uh, we'll uh, we'll get you in some nice fresh water. Um, we're going to talk about um, uh, a laundromat here in Woonsocket, uh, and we'll tell you about them right now. Matthew and Nelv invite you to drop off your laundry at M&N Laundromat. We wash, dry, fold when you drop off for only a dollar a pound. Includes detergent, bleach softener, dryer sheets with clear plastic bags. Pickup and delivery is available too. We have all commercial front load machines, 20 pounds, 30, 40, 60 pounds, and 80 pound washers. And enjoy our 65 inch flat screen TV and free Wi-Fi while you're here. Commercial accounts are also welcomed, including nursing homes and restaurants. We have the equipment to do the big jobs with washers up to 100 pounds and dryers up to 45 pounds. Have a question? Call us at 769-9661. The husband and wife team, Matthew and Nell, invite you to stop by our 389 Willow Street location. Matt is a Woonsocket native and proud to say M&N Laundromat is locally owned and operated. So what's in your appetite? At Grumpy's in South Bellingham, their menu is so expansive, we can satisfy any taste. You may want to try a Grumpy Signature Burger. There are 12 to choose from. And if you like seafood, try our broiled seafood sampler of haddock, scallop, shrimp, lobster, and a stuffed quahog to go along. And you might want to check out our Taste of Italy, too, from eggplant, parmesan, spaghetti and meatballs, and many other Italian choices. And you may want to try a Grumpy Sirloin Steak, Filet Mignon, or a Bourbon Street Steak Tip Dinner, all char-broiled to your taste perfection. And we have a nightly menu special and also weekend specials. Kitchen open Friday and Saturday till midnight. Restaurant open seven days a week. It's time to make it a Grumpy's experience today. You know, we play this commercial for Grumpy's, and uh, so the question is, uh, you know, do you ever go to Grumpy's, Roger? Of course. And I was there over the weekend, and uh, I was looking at that Grumpy's menu and uh, trying to decide uh, what to have. One of the, uh, may I make a recommendation to you? I've, I've sometimes talked about their sirloin steak, but they also have uh, a plate where it comes out and it's sizzling. Uh, and it's the Grumpy's uh, Frajitas. And they, I had the chicken and and it's got onions and it's got peppers and of course lots of uh, tender uh, chicken breast slices, um, uh, chunks rather, not slices. And uh, it is so, so delicious. And if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy this, uh, this kind of a dish, try it at Grumpy's. I think you'll be quite satisfied. Grumpy's, Pulaski Boulevard, South Bellingham. I got one more ad to uh, put in here, uh, and that is Vern Rainville. He's a public adjuster. What's a public adjuster? Well, here's what a public adjuster does. Well, here's a question for you. From Vern Rainville. Do you have frozen pipes or ice dams causing some damage to your home last winter? Well, this is probably covered by insurance. And did you know that you have two years to file a claim? Call Vern Rainville, the local adjuster that represents you, not the insurance company. Vern is a licensed public adjuster by the state of Rhode Island and will work for you to initiate a claim. You can call Vern Rainville today at 484 384- 
$84.95 for a free, no-obligation in-home consultation. All calls are returned in less than 24 hours. Yeah, if you had uh, some water damage uh, from uh, some of that heavy rain over the weekend, uh, Vern Rainville is the guy to call, and uh, he'll make sure that if that damage uh, took place, that you get the full value of what your insurance policy, your homeowners, uh, spells out. And sometimes uh, uh, you need to look a little bit more at the details of that policy, and he will and uh, get you what uh, what is um, due to you. You paid the insurance premium. You might as well get uh, what the insurance premium has to offer. Vern Rainville, public adjuster. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We are back to the program on the Upfront program, and uh, we have a guest in the studio uh, once in a while. Uh, when uh, when the calling is uh, is here, we uh, feature the Museum of Work and Culture, and we've uh, had interviews over the years about some of the exhibits. This is the latest one that opened up on uh, May, uh, I believe May sixteenth, and it's called Jewish History in um, in Woonsocket. And um, in studio with us is the exhibit and program coordinator at the uh, Museum of Work and Culture here in Woonsocket, and that's uh, Deborah Krieger, and she's been explaining a little bit about about the um, things that you can expect at the uh, at the exhibit. And I think what I was hearing um, is that if you don't know much about, uh, about Jews in particular, uh, you know, not just necessarily Woonsocket, but, uh, uh, you know, where the Jewish population originated from, or uh, or customs and traditions and religious uh, religious um, exercises. You're going to learn that in this exhibit. Besides mm-hmm. the local characteristic, I'm going to switch over to the local, though, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Because I'm local, and so um, I'm going to go to the exhibit. And and um, when I first saw this exhibit, I was thinking a little bit about um, my uh, growing up in Woonsocket and. And um, I'll probably mention some stuff that maybe uh, you're not aware of, but I know our listeners listening in. Um, I came to the conclusion that um, that the retail business in Woonsocket had a lot of uh, a lot of families uh, in the Jewish community that uh, that you could go to. I don't know if uh, Kornstein's Department Store uh, rings a bell with you or Rathbun Outlet. Uh, or social department store, or Nyanza discount department store, a place I worked at as a kid, all all owned by by uh, Jewish families, and um, and then and then I think of the manufacturing when I was a kid. Uh, Deborah, um, my dad worked at a textile mill owned by uh, Nathaniel Gottlieb on Winter Street here in Woonsocket, and Is that Empire Empire Woolen, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and so. Um, uh, I would remember um, my father would drive, uh, Mr. Or would pick up Mr. Gottlieb at the airport. At that time, uh, you know, the propeller planes were coming into the airport, right? And uh, and drive him back uh, to Woonsocket. Uh, but um, Mr. Gottlieb and his family created uh, uh, jobs for for hundreds and hundreds of people uh, here in Woonsocket. And of course, so when you um, talked um, about a few of the names of people that you talked to. 
already who are still involved in the uh, textile community. You mentioned one. Uh, Brickle. Uh, yes, um, Mr. Brickle. I mean, how how can you not uh, think of uh, of that family? So thinking of people in manufacturing, uh, thinking of people in uh, retail, especially textiles, thinking of philanthropy. Uh, uh, are we going to get a, a good feel for uh, those contributions. Absolutely, but also don't forget the the Goldsteins, mm-hmm. um, the C- CVS Goldsteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the first CVS oh. store was in Lowell, uh, the Goldstein family, uh, Stanley and Sydney, were born and raised in Woonsocket, and Mark Stephen uh, was in Woonsocket, and now CVS is headquartered in Woonsocket. But yeah, you're going to get a little bit of that. Um, we actually we do have a really fun map, which is uh, color coded um, for different kinds of industries, and you can go and find uh, you know the business you're probably thinking of, uh, whichever business you're thinking of there's uh over 40 businesses that are on this map mm-hmm. so uh is this uh, one of those um interactive maps uh, or or is it just a map it's not it's just a, it's it's uh it's just <laughs> Wait, it's, with all the work i put into this roger and you're calling it just a map it is a uh <laughs> it is a 2d low-tech map for mm-hmm. now but um there are plans to make it uh part of the mill memory bank in the in a permanent part of the exhibit uh in the museum on the second floor deborah uh exhibit opens up on the 16th uh mm-hmm. and here we are um you know like uh at least a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. Has anybody come? Uh, has there been uh, an interest in it? Absolutely. Uh, there have been people, I've seen people coming in every day. Um, we also had a little uh, opening reception um, that was to celebrate the people who uh, took their time to took the time to speak with me, um, who made this exhibition possible, and we had over 70 people. Uh, that was last week. So there's definitely interest from people in Woonsocket. There is uh, interest from people who used to live in Woonsocket and be a part of this community who have since dispersed. Um, I'm I am pretty pleased with uh, the uh, turnout so far. Narratives. Uh, I uh, I see the word narratives. Uh, so how are these narratives expressed? Are they have they been recorded on video or what? Uh, how, how do we we uh, identify with the narratives? That's a good question. Um, the narratives are sort of, they're interwoven in the overall history. Um, so when I talk about uh, the the original community on Polo Street, sort of there's that narrative. Um, sort of speaking of the Jewish community as one community that has all these different stories uh, embedded in it. Do we hear the voices of, of people in these narratives, or do we just read about them? Um, you read Maybe about Maybe I've them. just got to go and see the exhibit, right? <laughs> you got to go and see the exhibit. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the sound quality when I recorded was not was not as sophisticated as the setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is always a little bit difficult. But uh, what we do have in text... Uh, Many of the people that I interviewed, I asked if they would share what being Jewish means to them because for a lot of people, it isn't just based on going to services or celebrating the holidays. It's about the history. It's about the survival. It's about the traditions and family uh, customs. And so throughout the exhibition, uh, some of the people, including Arthur Robbins, including Sam Brickle, um, including uh, a couple other people, have shared what being Jewish means to them. So you can kind of get these individually, uh, individual quotes, quotations that give a sense of all the different ways there are of being Jewish because I'm Jewish, but it doesn't, I don't necessarily practice in the same way as another Jewish person. 
So what was your, uh, I, I hate to ask this question, but uh, the highlight of this project, being Jewish yourself <laughs> and working on a project about mm -hmm. uh, Jewish history in Woonsocket, uh, did something like stand out and say, I never knew that. <laughs> well, many, many things. There have been, uh, the Rhode Island Jewish Historical Association, they publish a journal um, called the Jewish Historical Notes. And there have been articles uh, over the past several decades uh, that outline this history. So the highlight was really being able to comb through these old documents, uh, these archives, uh, these old accounts, and sort of synthesize them into a way that everyone could enjoy um, and the fact that, you know, th whether you're Jewish or whether you're not Jewish, I want this exhibition to be a place where people, you know, feel comfortable asking questions and learning. So it was really important to me to be able to present both the history and some of the culture. Um, and I'm proud of the space that we've created. Will the exhibit do any minor changes uh, between now and uh, the end of August? Uh, uh, do you have to, like, tweak something once in a while, or is everything pretty much in place? And if it is, that's going to set up my next question. <laughs> um, it is pretty much in place. I mean, we have moved the... We have a table where people can do uh, arts and crafts. Mm -hmm. um, they can make a grogger, which is part of the holiday Purim. It's a noisemaker. Um, and they can also answer prompts. So those prompts might change out, um, and they can draw pictures of... Uh, them sharing an important family meal because that's important to a lot of uh, Jewish holidays um, or sharing their favorite Jewish memory. So what's the leading question? Kids. What do what what is it? Uh, and you sort of like uh, got there. Uh, mm -hmm. How how, uh, how how do we introduce? Uh, I know children. Uh, there are all kinds of grants that come to the Museum of Work and Culture to bring in fifth mm -hmm. graders or fourth yeah. graders and so forth. How do we how do we treat them? Uh, how does this exhibit? Uh, uh, impact them? How can we teach them about uh, the Jewish community? Or do we? We do. Um, the, the group of kids that have come by so far are actually uh, from a Jewish school in the state. Um, so it was really sort of teaching them that there used to be a Jewish community here too and here's some of the things they did that may be different from how you do it today. Um, but I think this exhibit has many ways for people of all ages to you know, learn about what it means to be Jewish. Um, we have a book nook which has about uh, 10 to 12 uh, children's books, uh, illustrated children's books uh, with Jewish stories, uh, Jewish traditions that families can sit and read together. We also have the grogger making project um, uh, I can get into the story of Purim basically uh, back when uh, there was a Jewish community in ancient Persia the queen of Persia was secretly Jewish and she was hiding her identity from everyone, uh, from her husband um, from the royal court and the king's advisor, Haman uh, did not like the Jews and he wanted to uh, execute them all but uh, the queen Esther found out about the plot and revealed to her husband that she was Jewish uh, and you know put herself at risk in order to save her people so whenever we tell the story of Purim uh, we say boo or we make noise whenever Haman's name is mentioned hmm. um, so this is a this is an activity where uh, you can actually make and take home a noisemaker um, and I think that a lot of kids have done that already but I think that uh, and a lot a lot of people have uh, looked at the text for this. I've uh, 
consulted with people inside and outside the organization, people who are and aren't Jewish, and I think that it's written and conveyed in a way that people who are uh, younger visitors will also uh, understand. So, when I first started interviewing you a little while back on the program, I asked, uh, when did you start working on this? Well, over a year ago, uh, I think we've established... Are you working on your next project, um, uh, or is that a secret uh, they don't tell? Uh, Rhode Island Historical Society doesn't reveal <laughs> stuff until it's public. What um, are you working on? Come on. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, currently, uh, well, I am actually going to be uh, moving back home to Los Angeles uh-huh. this summer. Right. So this is my last project uh-huh. for the Museum of Work and Culture. It's been an amazing place to be for the last two years. Um, and it's wonderful that uh, we're able to conclude my time here with something that's so personal to me. Now, uh, I was in uh, Los Angeles uh, last week, uh, and I was driving up in Highland Park. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, some, uh, a friend of mine was uh, showing me around. Um, do we have stuff like this um, uh, in, in California, or, 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 uh, or when you came east, uh, you saw this um, string of museums uh, all, all over the area, but uh, um, I'm just wondering whether Californians can get the same kind of uh, exposure and education as they're going to get here at this uh, exhibition. Um, there, California does have a lot of museums. There's uh, art museums, science museums, uh, history museums. Um, obviously, the Museum of Work and Culture is incredibly special that it tells this story uh, of immigration and labor and perseverance and survival from the point of view of the people who experienced it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it really special. So, uh, in, in another one of those none-of-my-business type questions, are you going to pursue... Uh, uh, this kind of work uh, mm-hmm. when you get back um, back on the West Coast, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is uh, this is what I this is what I trained for. Uh, this is what I went to school for, and it's just incredible to see the impact that it can have. The Museum of Work and Culture. We're at the end here, but we do want people to um, to see the exhibit, to visit the exhibit, to learn from the exhibit, and um, so it's on now through. Um, Saturday, August 26th, according to this uh, piece of mm-hmm. paper that I have here. And uh, they'll find it on the second floor? Second floor, uh-huh. yep. All right. Well, Deborah, you uh, did a nice job. Um, Except I think... for when my voice <laughs> yeah, yeah. creaked out. Well, yeah, that's okay. That's what water is for, right? Yeah. We want to thank you for uh, coming by and, and uh, telling us what's going on. And we certainly hope that uh, this radio program draws uh, a great audience to, uh, to the museum. And uh, and check out the exhibition. Thank Thanks you for, so much. Thank was, you for having me. It was a pleasure. Back in a moment for our final words. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number is 766-8100. And remember, having Kay or Kasher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. American-made products. That's what we feature at Waltz Clothing, 837 Cumberland Hill Road, Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Saturday. American-made, we're serious. Boots from Carolina, Thoroughgood, Red Wing, and Rocky, all made in the USA. Also, American-made sweatshirts, American-made socks, 
full-grain leather belts, bootlaces and leather gods and boot gods, and we carry Treads Rubber Overboots, American-made. So come on in to the place where the workperson finds everything they need. Waltz Clothing, 837 Cumberland Hill Road. Find us on Facebook, or if you have a question, 765-7582. Hey, that's it for our show for today. Uh, tomorrow we'll be uh, back again, and uh, we'll uh, learn more about what's going on in our community on the Upfront program. I'm Roger Bouchard. Thank you for being with us. One of our normally scheduled program, Authors Hour, heard every Tuesday at 9.05. Not heard this week. The uh, the gentleman who hosts the program, Wayne Bobber, took a long weekend off for Memorial Day. But he'll be back next Tuesday for the Authors Hour. Instead, we'll have America's First News originating from Los Angeles. That's it. Goodbye. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.